Well, today I get to talk about something that I love talking about, which is God's relentless compassion. He's just such a compassionate God. And as I was writing this this week, I was just thinking of how compassionate God has been over my, my years of following him, how much compassion he's had for me in different seasons of life, different times of life where, you know, I choose my direction, and he's like, okay, Neil, like, that's okay, like, come on back. Just how much compassion he's had for the decisions that I've made that always haven't been right, but yet alone he has compassion for me to love me unconditionally. Sometimes when I'm really frustrated with God, uh, I love to go on really long walks and um, sometimes even raise my voice to the Lord and tell him how frustrated I am with him. And he has compassion in those moments too. Or sometimes I think of myself way before I think of my wife, which if you're married, the idea of marriage is to think of the other before yourself. But God still has compassion on me when I do that. Just gentle reminders. Or maybe even getting frustrated with a different season that I'm in, personally. Like a personal season that I'm walking through. And just being really frustrated with the Lord in that. God still has compassion on me in those seasons. He has compassion. Not that I deserve his compassion, not that it's something that I am approved of or have done some special requirements that God's like, okay, finally, I'm going to have compassion on you. But he just pours out compassion on me. God is relentless in compassion for people. Even when we're not, God is relentless in compassion on people, even when we're not. As quickly as God has given me compassion, sometimes I would like to withhold it from people. I know God's given me compassion, but it's not always easy to pour it out, is it? Sometimes it's tough to have compassion on challenging people in life. Sometimes it's tough to have compassion on challenging people in life. Sometimes it's tough to have compassion on challenging people in life. Does anybody else deal with challenging people? Sometimes it's tough to have compassion on challenging people in life. When the kids refuse to listen, sometimes it's tough. When the kids in your classroom are bullying your kid, sometimes it's tough to have compassion on them. What happens when your kid's the bully? I remember, (laughs) my kids are grown, but I remember grade school and I remember junior high. And I remember Mama Bear in the car, opening the door, ready to go in and take care of business. <laughs> and sometimes it's tough to have compassion on challenging people in your life, especially when you mess with my kids. Come on, moms. 
or the friend in your life that just can't get their life in order, just can't seem to figure it out. Sometimes it's tough. You know, the one that asks you to go out to eat, and then when the bill comes, they just kind of let it sit there. Sometimes it's tough to have compassion on challenging people in life. Didn't you ask me to go out to eat? You're not aware of how this works. If God is relentless with compassion, then we should be people that are relentless with pouring out compassion on others. If he just fills us up with compassion and just pours it out on us, then we should be overflowing with compassion to others around us. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Jesus had compassion on them. This group of people was following Jesus around from town to town. They were so excited about Jesus, the Messiah, right in front of them. And the disciples are getting on the boat, and they're getting on their way, and they're heading off to the next town. But this group of people, they haven't had anything to eat. They've just been sitting here following Jesus around and forgot to bring food. That's passion. So Jesus turns passion into compassion, and he turns and he has compassion on the people. Jesus was full of compassion for people. Even when he walked the same life that you and I walk. Remember, Jesus was fully human and fully God. So he's walked through everything that we've walked through. And then when you read the Bible, when you read Scripture, Jesus had compassion on people. Okay, so I can have compassion on people because he walked through the same exact stuff that I've walked through. He dealt with the same challenging people that I deal with. Peter was a challenging person in the Bible. He dealt with Judas. Have you ever had a Judas in your life? Jesus had compassion on Judas. He's full of compassion. We can be people that are moved by compassion. One thing that uh, I love teaching, like when you're praying for somebody, if you want to learn how to pray for someone, lay hands on someone and pray for a hurt foot or a shoulder or something like that. Let's say you want to learn how to pray for someone. The very first step in praying for somebody should be be moved with compassion. Put yourself in that situation. Man, it does stink to have a hurt foot, doesn't it? How many of you have had like feet problems right now that you're dealing with a lot of foot issues? Go ahead, raise your hand, please. If you're dealing with a lot of foot issues, I've been watching people lately, and everybody is walking so, so gingerly on their feet. Is that the right word, gingerly? No? That's redheads. Okay. Well, let me just pray for that right now because I am moved with compassion that you would be able to walk without a bunch of pain in your heels and the balls of your feet. So in Jesus' name, every single foot, feet that are represented in this room, I just pray for healing for them right now in Jesus' name that there would be no more pain. Those nerves and those tendons would actually loosen up that they would, uh, those sensors that are saying, this isn't a lot of pain, this is inflammation, that it actually cease right now from this moment on. In Jesus' name, amen.
I'd love for you to check in with me later and tell me like what happened there. But the very first thing that to, to pray for somebody is be moved with compassion for them. Be moved with compassion. And prayers are answered that way. I have learned that the more I move with compassion, the more my prayers are answered, answered kingdom now, like heaven now, you're healed type stuff. Be moved with compassion. It's a great way to start praying for people. Well, we're ending the series of Jonah today, and you're going to see how Jonah was moved with compassion and how he received God's relentless compassion and then poured it on on a city. He doesn't. He doesn't at all. And this is why I love the Bible, because it's so accurate and it's so true and it's so raw and it's so real. Jonah is a lot like a lot of us, you know, where it's hard to pour out compassion on people. And you're going to see that from Jonah's eyes in Jonah 4. We're going to look at Jonah 4.1 today. And so Jonah was told to go to Nineveh to leave his town. So he actually said, okay, that's fine. I'm going to go to Nineveh. Not. And then he turned around and went the exact opposite way. He jumped on a boat, got on a boat, went out into the sea, the fishermen said, this is like one of the worst storms we have ever been through. Somebody on this boat has made God mad. And so Jonah's like, it was me. I did it. I'm really sorry. Okay, just go ahead and throw me off the side of the boat. And so they did. But in God's great compassion for Jonah, he sends a gigantic whale to come and swallow him up. And Jonah lives in the belly of a whale for three days. You thought you've slept in some weird places. He lives in the belly of a whale for three days, and then he spit up on the shore, and he finally does what God said, and he goes to Nineveh, and he brings this word to Nineveh, which is, God is going to overturn your city. God is going to, like, destroy your city. Now, he doesn't bring any context to that, and here's what you could do. So to make sure that God doesn't destroy your city, what he actually does is just says, he goes, it's a three-day journey from one part of the town to the other part of the town, going around, God's going to overturn the city. And he's just, I just see Jonah in this, like he's so upset about being there, he smells like fish, and here he is telling everybody that God's going to overturn the city, right? No context, doesn't give them instructions, but the people of the city, including the king, says, what if... What if we change? I want you to hear that today because sometimes we think that there has to be so many steps that are followed through on and here's this list of do's to, to come back to God. The people of the city just heard God's going to turn the city around. He's going to overturn your city. There's not good things coming. They go, what if we changed? For somebody right now that's sitting at home that refuses to change over their life, I want you to think of that right now. Think of that person, that they've already heard the gospel enough, they've already known God enough, and they could put it together, that the blinders could be off their eyes, that what if I changed my life around? When they wake up in the morning, they look in the mirror and go, I hate what I look like right now. I hate the life that I'm living. That God can actually speak in the middle of that and say, what if I changed that's what it took for me. What if I changed? Because I didn't like my life. And so the entire city repents. The king takes off his robe and says, you know what? I'm no longer a king. 
I'm actually one of you. And what if we all do this? And he actually makes the animals fast. (laughs) Everybody fasts. Everybody repents. And God has what? Compassion. Compassion. Exciting stuff, isn't it? Well, let's read Jonah 4 and see what Jonah thinks of it. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Why? Why are you mad, Jonah? Everything worked out, and people listened to his prophecy. And they did what God wanted them to do and repent. You know, 99.9% of pastors, if they had that same exact experience, they'd be jumping for joy. How amazing is that? They changed their life around. And God has compassion on the city. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? Man, why did you get me out of my lazy boy for this? Why'd you get me off the couch? I was in the 16th season. (laughs) Amen? For this? I got to wrap this thing up. I'm not paying another $9.99 at the end of the month. I got to finish the series. You got me off the couch for this. This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarsish. Tarsish. Great name for a city. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. (laughs) This is the Bible. In other words, I knew you were going to forgive them again, like you do everyone else. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Say that. I knew it. And I knew it. I knew you were going to have grace, grace on them. You know why? Because that's how you've treated me. That's what, that's what I've come to expect of God. He said he has grace and he has compassion. I knew it. And he sent me to the city. This is why I didn't want to come. I knew you're a gracious God and you forgive and you're full of grace. And I knew you have compassion and see people in their situations, in their worst state of their life, in the mess that they've created on their own and still continue to have compassion on them. I knew it. I knew you're slow to anger and, and wait for people to turn back to you before you pour out judgment on them. I knew it. I knew you were abounding in love and you forgive and you, and you love people right in the middle of their mess. That your love never ends. I knew you were abounding in love. That your love is like a, a gushing stream that just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. We don't know where the stream starts. We don't know how it started, but we know that you're abounding in love. You just keep coming and coming and you just keep pouring out your love on people. I knew it. And the reason I knew it is because that's the same experience that I've had all of my life. 
That's the same exact experience that I've received from this God who I've tried to run away from and go to Tarshish and get on a boat. I knew that you would forgive me then. I knew that when you threw me over and they threw me over into the sea, that a gigantic whale would come and rescue me. I knew that you would have compassion on them because that's how much compassion you had on me when I tried to run from you. You sent the gigantic whale instead of a killer whale or a shark. <laughs> you sent a whale to rescue me and give me nourishment in the belly of the whale. I knew that's the type of God that you are. That even when I try to run, you still chase me down. You say, nope, you can't get away from me. I knew it. Why are you having the same compassion on them that you've had on me? But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? <laughs> Come on. Is it right for you to be angry? I think it's a powerful question for us today, church. Is it right for us to be angry? Some of the things that I see God letting slide, I want to bring judgment on them. Wait a second, you're really slow to anger with that person and those things that are, you're letting those things slide. It feels like you're just letting things slide, God. How can you do that? Do we have a right to be angry when other people receive the same slowness to get angry? The same compassion that God has given me? Do I have a right to be angry with somebody else? Is it right for me to be angry? You know, the Bible is just full of God asking people questions. He created mankind. He created them from the dirt. And then he puts his spirit inside of them. And then he says, do I have the same spirit inside of you that you're going to actually answer this correctly? The Bible is full of God coming to human beings and saying, Asking him questions. He knows the right answer. But he wants to see, does Jonah actually have in his heart, can he put this together? Jonah couldn't. And so God gives him a demonstration. Jonah had gone out and sat on the place on the east side of the city. There he made for himself a shelter and sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. <laughs> Just love that. I think he's thinking of, if you think of Sodom and Gomorrah, I think that's what he's thinking. So he gets out of the city and sits on the outside and just kind of looks at it like, what's going to happen here? What's God going to do? Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to give him shade for his head and ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. <laughs> You can't write this stuff. <laughs> it's the quickest growing plant ever. You thought you have weeds? Nothing compared to this one? In the midst of Jonah arguing with him, Jonah goes out to the east side of the city to throw a fit. Right? That's what he's doing. He's throwing a fit. I remember going to my room. Ooh, man, I let the walls have it in there sometimes. 
throwing a fit. Everybody gets to go to David's house but me. <laughs> Jonah goes to the east side of the city and throws a fit. But in the midst of Jonah throwing a fit, God provides him with some shade. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. Provided shade. Now he's providing a worm. Which chewed the plant so that it would wither. God gives and he takes away. All in a day's work for God. But when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. All these provisions of the Lord is amazing. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head, and so he grew faint. It sounds like July in the Midwest, right? And he wanted to die. Here he is again. And said, it would be better for me to die than to live. <laughs> but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he says. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have, concerned, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I have concern on this great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand to their left? They had no God. They were worshiping idols. They were confused. They were in a mess. They had blinders on their eyes of the sin, and they just kept doing it and doing it. And God sends Jonah to the city. They couldn't tell their right hand from the left. And also many animals. And that's the end of the book. There we go. We're done. Jonah 4. What a great ending to a great book, right? It's kind of an odd ending, isn't it? A little different. Jonah didn't grow the plant to give him shade. He didn't water it. He didn't care for it. He didn't plant it in the pot. He didn't put it in the sun. But yet alone, he's angry about that it doesn't exist anymore. We receive grace. We receive love. We've received forgiveness and compassion from God. It's not our right. It's not something that we deserve. God just pours it out on us because he loves us. So we should be excited when somebody else receives compassion and grace and forgiveness for the same stuff that we've probably done over the years. When somebody else gets a break that we thought we were going to get a break, we should get excited about that. When somebody goes on vacation, we should cheer for them. You deserve it. Great job. I'm so excited you were able to get away. You know what Instagram does to you? I wish I was there. Come on. No, seriously. Am I right? It's okay. This is a true church. If you don't like it, I don't know. All that stuff does is like it works on your heart, but they're able to get away and enjoy this season of, of being refreshed and renewed. The same compassion that God has given us, the same love and forgiveness that the Lord has given us, we get to pour it on, on other people. This is why Jesus said, 
Pray for your enemies. This is why Jesus said, pray blessings on those people who curse you. This is why Jesus says, love those who hurt you. Here's why. Because is the end of Jonah's story really encouraging to you today? Is that an encouraging ending to a story in the Bible? It's not at all, is it? We kind of end with Jonah throwing a fit because other people are receiving the same compassion that he received. Jonah did what God wanted him to do, but his heart was envious of God's compassion that was poured out on others that was poured out also on him. Jesus gives us this beautiful parable of the younger brother coming home who goes away and squanders everything that his dad gave him. He says, give me my inheritance now, and then he leaves the house, and he goes out and blows it all and finds himself eating the pig pellets that were in the pig's pen. And he's like, you know, it'd be better for me to just head on home than to do this. And so he comes home and the father comes to the end of the porch and welcomes him, grabs a robe, puts a ring on his finger, gives him brand new sandals because he stinks like a pig's pen. What a beautiful story, isn't it? The world, the, the, the compassion that goes into that, that the father is able to just love his son right where he's at. The other side of that story is the older brother is like, I've been doing everything right around here. Where's my big feast? Where's my big welcome? And the father says, everything I have is yours. It's the same story as Jonah. It's like, I've given you compassion, Jonah. I want you to pour it out. He gives the father compassion for the son. The older brother says, what about me? God has called us to be people of compassion, to just pour out compassion on people when they don't deserve it. Even in the midst of not deserving any of it, that God has given us this opportunity to be, the, the world needs compassion. If you think people need to be told what they're doing wrong, you're wrong, I'm sorry. They need compassion and love right where they're at. We're a church prodigal sons and daughters. That's what we stand for. We're not changing that. I don't care what service times it is. We're going to be a church of prodigal sons and daughters that when prodigal sons and daughters come in from brokenness and messes they've made in their own life, that they are accepted and they are loved just as they are. If you're looking for a church that will judge people and like bring down damnation on people because of the things that they've done, you're in the wrong church. Go find somewhere else. This is what we stand for. God has poured out compassion on each one of us, I know that, and tons of forgiveness. And so we get to just pour it out and lavish it on everyone else around us. Amen? Let's pray.
I just want to invite you to just sit in his grace for a moment. For some reason, when we think of God, we think that he is sitting around remembering all of our wrongs. And I want you to re-envision the Lord today that that is not God. That God is great at grace and compassion. That he loves us right where we're at. Come with your grace, God. Fill our tanks to overflowing with the compassion that we received from you. With the grace that we received from you. With the forgiveness that we received from you. Would you fill our tanks? Fill them up. Every single one of them. If there's, if there's some low tanks in the room, Lord, would you bring them to overflow? Thank you, Jesus. Just receive his, his great grace. And now, Lord, would you just um, re-envision our lives to be people that can just pour out the same exact compassion and grace and forgiveness and abounding in love that you've given us that we can do it for others around us. That we can do it for others around us, Lord. Would we live out our entire week with today? Because Sunday is the beginning of a brand new week, and that's why we gather together. And so, Lord, as we do that today, would you remind us that it's a brand new week? If you've, if you've been low in compassion in the last couple of months, and maybe busyness has just really stressed you out, and you don't have time for people, that today can be the day of change. It can be a brand new week. And so, Lord, every single person that we come into counter with, every person that we see when we're driving down the street and we see somebody that's walking around without shoes on their feet, Lord, would our heart be stirred with compassion for people again? The same compassion, the same, the same treatment that we would treat a brother or sister or a grandfather or a grandmother, would that be the same treatment that we treat others around us? We just pour out our compassion on people because we are filled with your compassion. You are a God of great compassion. You're relentless in it. And so not just for this week, for, for the rest of our lives, Lord, we just surrender our lives over to you for eternity. Use us. Use us as ambassadors of compassion of God, the compassion of God. In Jesus' name, amen.